Hey, real quick, Craig here. If you're looking to take your six-figure business to seven figures and beyond, let's talk to see how the Built to Scale program can help you grow your business without sacrificing your personal life. Head to builttoscalehq.com to set up your one-on-one call with me. Welcome to Built to Scale, where we have real conversations with entrepreneurs just like you about what it takes to build a thriving business without sacrificing your personal life. My name is Craig Severinsen, and I help people make more money working with better clients while also working less. And now I'm sharing it all with you. Let's dive in. What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode 10. I'm really excited about this episode because we've got Troy Sandage on here, and he runs a business called Strategy Hackers. Troy and I met, uh, we were both speakers at an event called Social Media Lima 2021, and uh, we just really hit it off. And it turned out that he had been following me for a while on social media, and I had been following him for a while on social media. So we had like this mutual fanboy moment where we were like meeting somebody that we had been following for a while, and it was a really cool experience. But what I really like about this episode that I think you're going to appreciate as well is that Troy and I do not see eye to eye on everything. He brings in some different thoughts, you know, when it comes to niching down or how to grow your business than what I typically would suggest. So I think that this gives some good variety. And at the same time, we agree on a lot of stuff. So you get to see some different perspectives and you also get to see two people who have been really successful in their business and what they agree on really makes things grow your business. So there's three things here to look out for. Number one, we talk about discovering the difference between what you're good at and what your superpower is and how to focus on the superpower, not just the things that you're you know, kind of good at. Number two, uh, when to help your team out and when to let them sit in whatever's going on so that they grow and you grow so that you can ultimately kind of step back, get your hands off of the steering wheel with your team. And then number three, finding that balance between developing your vision and letting the market tell you where your business should go so that you've got that balance between I know where I want to take it and I know what the marketplace is willing to pay for and using that to grow your business. So really exciting stuff, really good episode. I hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. So what, uh, let's start with like, I think getting a little bit of background as to who you are and like what you do. So like in the simplest, shortest, like bam, this is what I do. What do you, what, what's your business? I grow your business through strategy. Period. Bam. I grow your business through strategy. Period. <laughs> Who do you work with mostly? I, I mainly work with the B2B space, but industry sectors doesn't matter. Done it all. So we met um, at Social Media Week Lima. We were both speaking there. And I, what kind of stood out to me was that it seemed like most of your companies were like really big companies. So like what sort of level do you kind of come in and work with people at so i'm definitely honored and blessed to have worked with like ge healthcare and laerdal and mobile soul and corning and all that fun stuff but the bulk of my experience and what i do naturally is with entrepreneurs with startups um maybe some enterprise brands and maybe some fortune 1000 brands as well cool how did you how did you start like niching down and getting into like this is the level i want to work at do you ever like stop niching or niching? However, people want to enunciate tomato, tomato. It is what it is. I think it's more so of what makes sense today. Mm. I think as a marketer, but just in, in business, what makes sense for me 
that empowers me to be at my best self, to deliver my best strategies, my use my superpowers at its maximum to make the biggest impact that's in alignment with obviously monetary exchange of goods. I got to keep your financials, but then also just, you know, impact of what makes sense, what I'm proud of at the end of the day type of situation. So, yeah. So what would you say, you know, that's really interesting, the idea of having like your superpower. And I think I, I firmly believe everyone's got their strengths. They've got their like things that they're really good at. How did you go about finding out what your superpowers were? Oh, that's a great question. I think it hit me like a bag of bricks one day. Uh, so some people in a former life, I was a VP of an agency. Before that, I was a global marketing manager, traveling the world, doing my marketing stuff on four different continents. It was crazy. And I recognized through all of that, I had identities. I had skill sets. I could do things. But that doesn't necessarily mean it was my superpower. And that took me a while in the rising of corporate America, and then in the agency world, and nonprofit world, and startup world to recognize that just because I'm good at something or someone says, can you do this? Doesn't mean I should make that my superpower. And uh, over the span of time, I recognized my superpower is strategy. And I came to that realization when I had to stop being a workhorse and lead a team. Mm. I was that person with that one-man army, was on the front lines, go, 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 go. And they're like, nope, we're going to take you out of the front lines and put you in a leadership capacity role. And I've done that with, you know, 180 staff, international team, remote team. I've done it with a team of five and an agency to scale up to, you know, 8.2 million in one year and all that fun stuff. And I was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. <laughs> I can control myself. Uh-huh. I can stay up late. I can turn the lights on. I can go to, you know, once I hit my second win, third, fourth, and fifth wins. I can't control my yeah. team. I can empower them. I can enlighten them. I can motivate them. I can, you know, help them figure things out. But I'm not my team. And I think that was the moment when I realized through that friction, man, you are bad strategist. You are bad strategist. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized, and the pandemic helped too, in a sense of remote work, what's the one thing you could do with five minutes, put on a shirt, turn on your camera and go? No strategy. That's strategy. my superpower. That's very cool. So how, let's talk about that transition from like single person to leading a team. What was that like and what were some of the pitfalls that you were seeing that you had to overcome or that you kind of had to fix up for yourself? Sure. Uh, time management was key. Not just really for the team, it was for myself. Uh, for context, I'm a two and three, I'm an ENFP. Um, those are numbers and acronyms for just basically saying I'm an empath of a personality. I'm that person that if we're at dinner and you drop your, I'm gonna make sure everyone gets a plate before I serve my own. And if God forbid you drop your plate, I'm gonna make you a new one before I eat my plate. Uh, so transitioning from what I was as a one-man army to being a team and the volume change, the complexity change, all that, I recognized the biggest pitfall I had was managing myself mm. and overcompensating for my team's weaknesses. Now, that sounds crazy to say. Uh-huh. There's times where a leader should do that and needs to do that. But there are other times where you have to let your team sit in it. Otherwise, they will not grow because they're dependent on you saving them. And that was one thing I had to wrap my head around because it hurt me. 
And I care about my team. I care about each individual, their goals, their alignment, things at work, things outside of work. And I sometimes you have to take a step back in order for your team to grow. And that was probably one of the biggest challenges I ever had to surpass. That's really powerful. I think that sometimes the way I describe it is there's like a certain level of value that, you know, we talk about value to the client, but there's also value that we get in terms of working with clients where we feel, you know, we feel it. You're saying get to your second, third, fourth wind. You know, it's like you sit with somebody and you do strategy or you accomplish a goal with them and you feel it. And you're like, man, I did something today. Like I accomplished something today. I provided value. I earned that paycheck. I earned that, that bill. Right. And uh, when you switch to a team, that value is now removed from you. It's, it's, a, it's, there's a layer in between you. And so I, what you're saying about overcompensating is a great way to put it where lots of times, because we're not feeling the value, we try and micromanage. We try to get in more. Sometimes we take back things that we gave away because we're not feeling the value anymore. And it's almost like a freak out, right? Where it's like, oh man, uh, it's not happening, right? They're not getting the value. I got to step in here. So I love that idea of, I think it's growth for your team. Like you said, they've got to sit in it, but you've got to sit in it too. Because if you ever want to not be in the trenches, you've got to overcome that, that pitfall. Yes. And it brings trust, trust in yourself, trust in your team. I tell any leader, if you really trust your team, run the project, don't touch it. When you have that much conviction that you know your individual team's strengths, you know they're accomplishing for their weaknesses, they're one unit, and they're going to perform not only to your expectations, but surpass them. And they're already thinking, what would Troy say? What would Craig say? What were we saying in these moments? And they'll do it. Then you know you've developed a team that can run without you. And that was my thing. I realized if I can build a team that, not to try to make my job obsolete, but can perform without me pretty well, if not better, then you've done your job as a leader. We're not here to hold them. We're not here to control them. Sometimes people want leadership because they feel they have, they want control. That's not the case. The yeah. best leaders are the ones who delegate and let other people shine. Because if everyone else is shining, you're shining just along with them. So I, I kind of want to dive into what you just said there. You said not to make your job obsolete. And I almost think isn't that what we want? Like, isn't that what we want? <laughs> Don't we want our job to be obsolete in the fact that it's almost like, you know, the book, The E-Myth, right? Where he talks about, do you own your job or do you own a business? I think that I want, you know, I'll speak for myself and see what your thoughts are. I want options, right? Like, I want to be able to say, I don't want to work and my team to be able to run the business and have it go fine, Right. Right. Now, I love doing what I do, so I choose to be in it, but I think that I do want my job to be obsolete in the fact that I want that trust so deep with my team that if I want to take a month-long vacation or a two-month-long or a year-long vacation, the business thrives and grows, and I still make money, and they still make money, and clients still get value, even though I'm not directly involved. What do you what do you think about that? That definitely aligns. I think the longer you've been in this game... And the game being whatever industry you're in, whatever sector you're in, for those who are listening, you, there comes a point where you got to, like, make some transitions. Yeah. And I think when you rise the ranks as a leader, you've earned the right to take a break. You've earned the right to not be in the trenches every single day. And that may be uncomfortable if you're type A or you're just used to a certain light. Like, some people, they need a certain level of friction 
to make them feel alive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it takes time to make that transition because it feels like you're kind of retiring from a certain way of thinking, a certain way of life, but you're graduating to a new one to allow others to fill those voids. And how amazing it is that you've performed and done all the stuff so well that now you make get to be able to make an impact to allow others to have that same feeling that you've had for so many years. And I think we don't, as leaders, no matter what industry and sector, don't take enough time to think about the same leaders before us that we hold in such high regard, who probably struggle with the same thing you're dealing with, whether you're as a leader just doing it or making that transition to delegate and separate, but we regard them as such, you know, oh my God, they're the best leaders ever. And in the same way, we're doing that same thing. And so it's just, it really is a mental transition and yeah. there's no right or wrong there, whatever your feelings are, it's valid in the moment, after the moment, but hey, leadership is, is a dope job to have. You just summed up uh, entrepreneurship and scaling so succinctly in saying, you know, basically it's a level up game. It's a mindset game in terms of, you know, what's the difference between someone who's running a business and has a big team versus the solo pro? It's the way they're showing up and the way they're thinking about their business, right? And it's like ev every day, man, the way you said it, where it's like you need that friction to feel alive and to get past that level, to get to that next level, you have to adjust the way you're showing up and adjust the way you're feeling alive in order to get different results, you know, quote unquote, alive or, or value or whatever it is that you want to say, right? I love it. I'm getting the snaps. <laughs> Preach. Yeah. Well, so I want to go back a couple steps, too. So you said, um, you know, we were talking about trust in team. How do you get to the point where you feel like, OK, I can trust? Because I feel like we hire people and that trust obviously isn't there the moment you hire them. Right. So how do you get to a point where you can trust somebody that, you know, they're saying, oh, how does how would Troy show up or how would Craig show up or how should this be done? Trust is earned. It really is. And let's not, you know, let's be blunt about it. You know, I'm giving you an opportunity and I'm not discrediting your ability. There's going to be time for synergy. It's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be results evaluation. And all this is going to come together. We're going to figure out our own personal involvement, how that makes sense, and our professional involvement as it makes sense. And trust is an ongoing thing. It's not onboarding it's not okay we we did our quarterly checkup you know we're having drinks after 5 p.m or a virtual slack channel where we're just reading memes there's so much more to it than that i think and it's by case by case basis for certain people there's going to be a, a list of checkpoints you're going to have to go through to earn trust and i don't need to have enough trust that you know our wives or partners are having conversations where I know your kids. I maybe get to your inner circle on Facebook where I see your personal life. You don't need to have that level of trust to perform. When it comes to business, whatever is necessary as far as trust that, hey, I'm making eye contact with you and yeah. we just know what to do and we perform and it's understood. That's it. I think sometimes people put too much pressure on trust, but also they may not. And so my tips to help people with trust, same thing with business, same thing with marketing and selling, is DART. Be direct, be authentic, be resourceful, and be tactical. Be direct in your intentions, what you want, what you need, what you expect. Be authentic. I know people flaunt that word a lot, but authentic is so many levels and layers to that as an onion to break down. 
Um, but when you show yourself friendly, mm-hmm. open palms, they'll receive it as friendly. Be resourceful. Whatever you think may work for one individual with the exact same background may not work for someone else because they yeah. have a different personality type. So you have to be resourceful with your approach and then be tactical. Like I said, not everything works for everybody. And we got to find the right levers to push to get the results that we want ultimately. So apply DART. Love that. So, I, you know, what I'm hearing in you also from what you just said is this undertone of taking responsibility as the leader to tr- it's not just a it's not just all on them to earn it right it's also you to train up to stay with to to actually lead them right not just not just uh say here's the keys go drive the car but actually like get in the car with them and teach them how to drive i don't know why a car analogy but that's what i went with there it works <laughs> uh you know i i'm struck by this is such a weird analogy but while you're talking i just couldn't stop thinking about it. i've been watching american restoration which is i don't know if you've seen that show but like the guy fixes up like the craziest things right Stuff from the 40s, like gas pumps and all this stuff. And uh, his son works for him. And throughout the season, because now I've watched various seasons, <laughs> you see this kid go from like a 17-year-old to like a 20-year-old. And his dad's given him more and more responsibility. And I was just struck by like, you know, he doesn't just like have his son show up to work and hope that he gets better. It's like he assigns him to jobs, does the jobs with him, and teaches him every step of the way. and sees his son improving as they go. And I think that's a perfect analogy. I mean, in this case, he's grooming someone to take over the business for him, right? But I think that's a perfect analogy for every business owner training somebody or wanting to hire staff. You cannot wait until it's urgent. You have to start when you have time and you have to have a plan in place to train them on the systems and processes that it takes to be successful. Can we get an amen? From me, yeah, that's why I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, no, I, I totally agree with that. And that's the line. I mean, I think people don't want to apply a system. They see a system as just a checklist, a one pager, put a little information, a little CRM, whatever, and call it a day. No, you need an actual system and process to be a leader and cultivate leaders. If you're a leader and you're not cultivating other leaders, there's something wrong with you. Just how it is. You're not doing it the right way. You're probably being overly controlling. You're probably not allowing them to sit in the stuff, as I said earlier. You're not allowing them to grow. Your job is to create soil, is to have soil that is rich with nutrients, and it's there. And then you're watering, and you're allowing the sun to hit it, and you step back and let them grow from a sprout to an oak tree. Now, some yeah. people may grow faster than those. Some people may grow a little less, but growth is still growth, and you can't base it off your expectations. You have to base it off their capabilities and make it align according to what you need as a result for your business. Yeah, totally. And I think I think a lot of people resist those systems and processes because we think we have to have them a certain way. For it's like it's like complication for the sake of complication or system for the sake of system, rather than thinking it of how do I get results and how do I make sure that I get those same results every time or that I get the same or better results every time. And working at it from that angle so that every step of the process has a reason to it. It makes sense, right? Right. I, I got I to gotta keep going with my uh, American Restoration analogy. Uh, because they uh, talk about all the time that they get these things that they don't know how to rebuild because there's no user, user's manual. 
and they just take pictures of everything they do. And that's part of the process. So he can trust his, you know, newest employee. If he follows the process, it'll get done properly. And that's a, again, the same thing in a business, right? We need to make sure we've got everything to a point where it's like, you can hand it off to somebody and you're going to be confident that they're, they're going to make it work. 100%. So Troy, what's up next uh, for you? Like, where are you headed with your business? So I feel like every entrepreneur or side hustler or whatever your identity are listening gets that, oh shoot, crap. Uh, what am I supposed to say moment? I'm having that moment right now for transparency. <laughs> and uh, I'm all about vulnerability here, y'all. Uh, we need a help support group, but I digress. I think for me, it's just allowing the business to fall into the place where it's most needed. Mm. In my mind, I have a very clear vision of what I want the business to do for me, what I wanted to provide for me and mine, what the impact I wanted to make. But when it comes to the how is mm. the part that trips up a lot of businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs, because we think we have a set way on the how. I mean, hello, COVID happened, pandemic, lockdown, virtual, certain industries went down, people are more concerned about how they spend their money, where they spend their money, why they spend their money, and your go-to connections maybe are no longer there, unfortunately, your processes and systems out there, maybe you're a person thrives in the, the in-person meeting, you know, the bar routine, and you can't have those interactions mm -hmm. no more, I feel like you lost a little bit of your swagger, and now what do I do? And I think your vision, your destination is still valid, it hasn't changed. What has changed is your how. So for me, I think my how has changed. And I'm letting it come to me. I'm not putting myself into, and that's where I'm always saying, we're always niching or niching down or niching or niching up. Because sometimes we're too narrow. And when things happen, we got to expand. We got to open that net back up. The, the market, your total available market and your serviceable available market is going to tell you where you need to go. Whoever bites, I need to go there. You may have never been there before. It may be uncomfortable, but they biting and if they paying. That means you can start your business to create the life that you want still. And so for me in totality here, I think I'm allowing myself to focus on what my core deliverables are and not allowing myself to be fixated on who I want to serve necessarily. And I'm building structures and process to apply to whatever industry wants to hire a growth marketing strategist. Yeah, I 100% agree with um, with the vision stuff too, uh, because I think, you know, we've talked a lot about leadership so far, and if you want to develop a group of loyal fans, a group of like people, you know, not just like not just like loyal clients, but like people who follow you in terms of like you know they follow your content, they talk about you, referrals, things like that. You've got to be taking the industry somewhere. You've got to be taking your people somewhere. And I think that lots of times we get, like you said, bogged down in the in the what I do, the how I do it. You know, I do podcasts or I do, uh, you know, for me, it'd be like, you know, I do I coach or I consult or something like that. And when you get bogged down in that, then it becomes all about what can my clients do for me? And nobody wants to follow somebody who's all about themselves, right? Exactly. So if you can turn that around and say, this is where I want to take my clients or my industry, or this is the vision I have for the world, man, that gets really powerful. And that's where I'm at, where I, I'm starting to think about what do I want 
my business to do in terms of impact on the world. And when you start getting at that level, man, um, really cool things start to happen. Gears start to shift, you know, momentum starts to build. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Totally agree. And it is a really cool thing to see the momentum change. And I think that that's the other thing too, is that we're so afraid to start. We just got to start. The momentum will come. Totally. So I, you know, I want to push back a little and and say, it seems a little dangerous though, to just like, I like the idea of letting your business just find its own place, right? But how do you balance? I feel like if you just jump from thing to thing, then like you never get traction, right? So like there's got to be, again, so give me your opinion on this because I'm trying to, trying to ask the question without like biasing the answer, right? Like how do you, how do you uh, balance letting your business find its own path, but also being intentional about this is, this is the type of business or life I want? It's alignment. It's strategy, it's systems, and it's clarity, ultimately. All four or five of those things uh, needs to come into place. And when I say, you know, let it come, I don't mean like sitting here doing nothing. And, you know, feel the dreams here. They're just going to show up. You build it, they'll come. We all know that's not necessary or it's going to happen in 2021 and beyond. Um, It's more so of just letting go of control Mm. of it has to be this, this exact way at this exact time, because we all know that doesn't happen. Yeah. When I let go of that particular barrier, situational thing, this now allows me the opportunity, um, what does this make possible for me? Mm. And now with that new resurgence of a mental stance, I can look at my industries, I can look at my sectors, I can look through my LinkedIn or Rolodex uh, email compository of past clients, current clients, and see what worked, what didn't work. What is the industry telling me? Yeah. What are past clients telling me? What is the market telling me? And also what we don't consider, what is my current experience telling me? There are people who are making a crap ton of money, mm-hmm. but they're not having an experience that makes sense for the life that they wanted to have through the business they've created. That leads to burnout. That leads to just not being sustainable. And then in three years time, you're like, what happened? And so for me, I think it does take some time, but then also be willing to put it in a process in place. For me, it's like, I'm always reminded of my vision and I'm looking at, I'm going to test over here. It has to have this certain criteria of financial stability. I would like for them to be in this realm of impact. That once I'm, when I'm a passionate person, my passion's in it, when my purpose in it, there's power. When there's power, there's productivity and high level results. That's my mentality. That's my makeup. That's what gets me to be my best work. So if they checkmark all those things, they're a high candidate for me. And hopefully in time, I'm a high candidate for them. If it's not, then you're just figuring out what your tolerance levels are and your situation. If you're short for cash and your cash flow is low, your neck's going to be a little bit wider. And I'm not checking all things off your list, but it's all about survival. Mm-hmm. I can't be so holier than now of my expectations of what my client or my customer to be. And the market's like, not right now. I have to figure out an alternative. And so that's what I meant by letting come to you. But when you're yeah. applying systems and strategies, it'll help you. There's, I want to unpack a couple things that you said, because there, there's a lot of really good stuff in what you just said. Uh, so number one, hearing you talk about listening to the marketplace, listening to your audience, listen, like that is what I am all about, you know? And so I love 
I think letting your business find its own path and also like finding where you want to live, there's a big healthy dose of asking the right questions and then listening to marketplace feedback, right? Whether that be real structured market research, like calling up one of the things I'm all about, you know, because I spoke about it is go interview your clients, right? Like go ask questions. Um, but I think also there's that level of you're putting offers out there, you're putting posts out there, you're putting content out there. How are people responding to it? Are they responding to it, right? And so listening, I think, bam, number one thing, takeaway from there. And then the other thing you talked about that I think is huge is um, this mindset around letting go of the expectations that you're supposed to be at a certain level, you're supposed to be a certain thing. Because there's, you know, it's like the entrepreneur that makes $10,000. Say two entrepreneurs make $10,000. One, their goal was $5,000 and they made 10. The other one, you know, their, their goal was $11,000. They made 10. They both made $10,000. One is super pumped up, ready to go, ready to tackle the world. The other one's disappointed. And it's, what's the difference? The expectation and the lug baggage, mental baggage around that number. And if you can let go of that, it frees you up, like you were saying, to make really informed decisions and really take action, which is really cool. I love to share this moment off your point really quick because I know the list is going to love it. It's called the bronze medal effect. You look at people, they win the gold medal. Who's the sickest? Not the bronze medalist. They're just happy to be on the podium. Obviously, the gold medal, hey, they won the gold medal. It's the person who got the silver medal, whether it was 0.0001, you know, second difference, lift, whatever. They came in second. But you were, the listeners, the viewers, we're looking at it like, you're an, you're an Olympic champion. You're, you're number two, yeah. You got the medal, bro. You got the medal. And they're like, no, I was that close to gold, and I came in second. But you ain't never going to find somebody on the bronze, sad. They just happened to be here. They didn't think they were even going to get there. And so I think when we take a step back and align what success looks like beyond the totality of you know semantics, you have a better experience overall, which you're going to have a better business experience overall, too. You know, and what changes that right there is the competitor mindset of it's me versus them or we're all we can all, you know, is there enough pie for everybody or is there a finite pie? Yeah. Right. If if there's a finite pie and you got to fight and scratch and punch to get your piece of the pie, then you are always going to be wanting. But if there's enough pie for everybody, then you can be that second place and stand on that podium and say, hey, you know what? You got me this time next time I'm coming, right? Like you can, there's continual progression and there's contentment in what you have. And there's a lot of power in that. I mean, if nothing else, there's happiness, which <laughs> let's not underestimate the power of being content and being happy. Like that is, that's what life is all about, right? Scarcity and abundance. When you're dealing with scarcity, what do you do? You hoard because you think at any moment in time, oh, I, I don't know. I got to I got to just constantly and then in business. What do we do? We'll say yes to everything and try to bring as many clients and customers as we can because we're panicking because we think it's scarcity. Guess what? You have to low quality of effort. You forget stuff. You lose clients. You you screw up your reputation, all that stuff. But when you recognize your point of abundance, I just need to get you go to a buffet abundance. I eat whatever I want. And when I'm full, I'm full. Yeah, I can sit and wait. I can go back whenever I want. I have enough clients today. It's enough abundance in the world. I'm going to get what I need. And I'm going to just chill. And you see how different psychologically 
that does when you're leaving a place of scarcity and you're entering a place of abundance. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I ain't saying when the things hit the red and you need money now to take care of your family that you are in scarcity, that that doesn't trouble you. I'm saying when I'm aware, to your point, there's always an abundance. There's always a demand and need. I believe in myself. I believe in my powers. I have conviction. I'm going to find an opportunity. I'm going to get it. I'm going to claim it. It's going to be mine. There's a great book awesome. called um, The Illusion of Money. And I can't remember the name of the guy that wrote it. Uh, Kyle, I think something. And he talks about money being like sand on a beach. And we've got a backpack, our bank account. We're trying to like get as much sand inside this backpack as we can. When if we just like say, why does the sand have to be in my backpack? There's more than enough sand for everybody. And so I think that we're all at the buffet. It's just, are you focused on your plate? Or are you focused on getting the food to the right people, right? Like that's that's the key. You know, if you are you looking at, you know, here's my team. I need to get them food. Here's my clients. I need to get them food. Here's me and my family. I got to get us food. Then there's more than enough food. But if you're like, this is my plate and I got to feed everyone from this one plate, that's where the problems come in. I agree. That lands. Cool, Troy. Uh, let's let's uh, if someone wants uh, your help with their strategy, they want your help growing their business. Where do they find more information about you? So at Find Troy, all social media platforms, uh, you find Troy at Find Troy everywhere. Uh, strategyhackers.com is my company and uh, looking forward to our strategy when you need it. Awesome. Love it. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you, share with someone who needs to hear it as well. For more information on how you can work with me and great resources for your business, head over to builttoscalehq.com. Join us next time for Built to Scale. And until then, take some fast, focused, imperfect action. I believe in you. I got your back. We'll talk soon.